Hello and welcome to... <laughs> I forgot the name of the podcast! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Not The Special Edition, episode 49. We're the internet's very own geeky podcasts, uh, fronted by two people who both forgot each other's birthday this year. Way. Sorry. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, sorry as well. <laughs> yeah, I blame me not being on Facebook anymore. I don't know anyone's birthday anymore. Well, I don't I don't have mine on Facebook anyway, so I, I think I got... Yeah. It's fine. There's there's no excuse. Oh, rather, there's no reason. To... <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the opposite of what I meant to say. Okay. That's, that's not letting me off the hook. That's putting me back on the hook <laughs> and chopping off my feet. <laughs> anyway, so that person whose birthday was forgot first, uh, my name's Miles, and I'm here with... It's Kit. Yay! Let's just scoot past the birthday, <laughs> shall we? Okay. Uh, yeah, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm not too bad. Um can't really think of anything monumental that's been going on. We're in another lockdown. If uh, no, we'll get this out in time, so it's fine. <laughs> Yay! Give it a bit of context. <laughs> yeah. Another lockdown, and the USA has decided against going mad for another four years. That's nice. Yes. Right. Let's talk about some shit that we've seen recently. Okay. Right. Yeah. Recently seen. Do you know what? It's because I'm lying down. I'm being really relaxed. Okay, uh, recently seen. I've got a bunch of stuff, all of which begins with B, I noticed earlier on. Really? That's very odd. Mm hmm. Have you got B stuff or not? The letter B. Uh, I've got one B thing, yeah. Oh, wait, hang on. I No, I've, I've got three B things. That What's going on? That's yeah. very odd. Okay. There we are. Go on, then. Give me your B's and I'll give you some B's. All right, okay. Um, so, my first B is... Uh, by the way, this is all a completely random selection of things which I've mostly been watching off of Netflix. Some of it's new, most of it's old, um, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of skip over a lot of it because there's loads of things which I've been meaning to talk about for ages. So, if that's okay with you... I accept those rules. Right, good. So, Go for it. Uh, the first B that I watched was um, Blow from 2001, the Johnny Depp uh, drug dealer film. At a time when America was ready to party. Look, if you really want to score, I got the guy. Barbie! I don't nickel and dime. You want it or not? We'll take it. You know how much money you can make with this stuff back east? One man knew just what to do about it. Seems really risky. Eric, she's a stewardess. They don't check her bags. I need more. I need more. I can't believe we're stealing a plane. How much will you be needing? All of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's officially a wife beater now in the legal sense. But um, I don't want to get too much into it, but I don't really think he is. Um, anyway, let's move on. So, Blow. How was Blow? No, so without um, yeah, without straying into that sort of territory, I mean, I I, I really like Johnny Depp, so let's not go there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. My favourite part of him are his fists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um yeah, Blow was really good. And it was from that era when Johnny Depp was, was kind of seemingly consistently bringing out, uh, you know, being in good films uh, one after another. Um, this one is, I'd describe it as quite good. 
within the first few minutes of it, I felt like it was kind of really... <laughs> I was like, hang on, this film is instantly trying to be Goodfellas. Like, it starts, you know, it like in the 50s, um, and with that kind of high-octane soundtrack and really quick jump cuts and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I, I was like, oh, I, I didn't realise this was going to be like this, but um, it, it does quickly kind of shed that and turn into its own thing. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It, it, retelling of a true story, I get the feeling that it's slightly fictionalised, but I haven't looked into how true that is. It's probably one of those things that had it been anyone other than Johnny Depp in it, it I'm not sure it would have worked as well because he just brings that sort of charisma. It's got that snappy direction starts directed by Ted Demi. Um, and it's it definitely wears its influences on its sleeve, but it was a fun two hours and actually kind of quite poignant in a lot of places. Uh, and I didn't expect it to um, end on uh, quite such a sort of heart-wrenching note, really. Uh, yeah, Ooh, very interesting. Really? And good cast as well. Okay. Have you seen it? No, no, I've not. When you okay. said Blow, I thought of 400 Blows by Francois Truffaut, uh, which I haven't okay. seen either, so I don't even know why I brought it up. Um, no, I don't. I know very little about it. I think it's about drugs and shit. Yeah, it's like a, a, one of those people that um, ended up sort of shipping stuff back and forth, uh, you know, from America to South America for, and ended up working for Pablo Escobar because everyone did at that time kind of thing. Uh, oh, him. He was a naughty man. And I hate the way that guy's venerated by fucking idiots. But then I guess they're fucking idiots. Yeah, again, this is... I think this does, certainly with the character George Young that Johnny Depp plays... Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know what the real life person was like, but this is obviously it's told in a very sympathetic way. If you forget all that and just take it as as the film uh, yeah. as a piece of entertainment, works very well. Okay, all right. I may watch it. I may not. I may. I may not. Yeah, it's 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 not quite high in high highest caliber, but certainly worth a watch. I'd say. Okay. Sure. Uh, you'll know within ten minutes whether or not you you're going to like it because it starts, um, you know, it doesn't build up to anything. It's, it drops you right in, sort of thing. Ah. actually, a film I'd watched recently, which isn't a B film. Damn, uh, it was Guy Ritchie's latest, The Gentleman. Which, when you said about that snappy um, style, style, especially with crime drama, I don't know. I watched it because I don't like Guy Ritchie films. Actually, I do because someone at work said you must watch this. I really enjoyed it. I did watch it. I didn't really enjoy it. It was it was exactly what I expected it to be. Hugh Grant was very good, but I like Hugh Grant. I like the audacity of a man who doesn't care about acting being really good at acting. Apart from that, <laughs> it was it's just fucking annoying. Is is all it was? It was it was typical Richie Fair, irritating. That's funny you just mentioned that because speaking of someone who doesn't, not that he doesn't care about acting, but um, you know that Johnny Depp he moved to Los Angeles to become a musician. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah and, like and he started taking acting jobs to to fund. Like his band <laughs> ends up becoming one of the most famous actors of his time. Yeah. He's a much better actor than he is musician. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, d- I must. I've, I've heard barely any of his, his music stuff, but yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so my first B then. Okay, going yeah. on the music thing is Bill and Ted face the music. I listen to Wild Stallions. Let's rock. When your wife suggested couples therapy. Do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. 
Oh, oh, cool. Uh, excellent. And Ted. Yeah, it is excellent. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and that fits within the sort of linguistic power of the film. Yeah, okay, so the threequel, oh, I'm calling it that, um, released this year, wasn't it? Cinematically and on demand, and a sequel to the late 80s, early 90s duo. Um, or the brace of films. Uh, Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves, you know the rest. It's a yeah. really lovely, both a tribute and continuation on of that original re. It's charming, it's awkward. Like the first 15, 20 minutes, much like the original, is very strange and and unsure footed and doesn't quite know what to do with it. And it's all over the fucking place. But it's very nice, it's very now. Um, but without being sort of overly, I hate to use the word, but woke about it. And it's also about music, which the other, the other two films, I mean, the first one is a little bit more, but they never really got into the whole music aspect of it. And whilst the music isn't something I would choose to listen to, they sort of sum up what is joyous and fun about music, whilst also being very funny some of the time, but broadly enjoyable all of the time. Um, it's a really lovely, just heartfelt fun just wallow in nice family comedy that just everyone can enjoy to some level i, I really i thought it was a triumph absolutely beautiful well not beautiful there's a ridiculous word to use about it but charming yeah charming and i'm very glad it exists that's, that's pretty much all i've got to say about it but um yeah it was very good fun i love the first bill and ted uh bill and ted's excellent adventure i i know that it's completely kind of different genre really but i kind of think of it alongside things like Spinal Tap because it's like a short snappy yeah. film that just makes you feel really good yeah yeah very true yeah I love uh, Spinal Tap one of my favourite yeah. films what I actually really like about yeah. the two main characters as well is they are completely free of cynicism um, they're often regarded in the same aspect as like Wayne and Garth who are also you know two quite mm. sweet characters especially Garth but they're always trying to get something. They're always, they're, you know, they're a bit horny or they want success and all of that. Bill and Ted just want everyone to be happy and have a lovely time. And I see no problem with that. It's just yeah. charming. Very, very sweet. Yeah. Great little film. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. The whole family watched it. I don't think you wouldn't necessarily need to see the first two, but you get a lot more out of it if you had. So there we are. And Christian Schaal is in it, who is, of course, in fucking everything these days. And I do like Christian Schaal. Kristen Schaal, sorry. She's, she's excellent. I really like her voice. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's really strange. She is. It's very odd, but uh, oddly enticing. Yeah, she's in Toy Story. Um, okay, yeah, that's my first B. Have you got another B? I'll give you another B. Okay. Uh, let's go with. Uh, I watched a film called The Babysitter. What up, C? B, call us if there's any trouble, okay? Call, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep? I love her. Oh, that keeps coming up as recommended on my Netflix. Yeah, which is um, yeah, because there's there's a new one just out, but there was this is from 2017, so this is the 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 first one. I haven't seen the new one, but thought I'd give this one a try for a while, and because mm. it Netflix started pushing the other one, I was like, well, I, I will get around to to watching that. Unfortunately, I didn't really like it very much. Oh no. Yeah, I thought it was. It started doing exactly what I was 
expecting it to do in that it was a kind of uh, attempt to be like a cutesy teen film whilst also being like a, a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that the first 10 minutes of it, I really, uh, probably a bit more than that, um, I liked, but mm. I thought, if anything, they were a little bit kind of too sentimental and maybe uh, on the kind of naive, childish side. And then it's just like someone grabs the volume and turns it right up and <laughs> breaks the knob off because right. it becomes excruciatingly violent. Right. Um, and then all the all the jokes become. Uh, I thought they were trying. They were like it's like they were trying to be distasteful. So. Okay. And I, I really felt like that came across rather than... I've got no problem with distasteful jokes if they are actually funny and fit with the tone of the film. But yeah. this 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 really felt like um, the the first act of the film set set the tone of it and then the rest of it was like, you know, square peg in a round hole. It didn't fit with what had been set. Sure. And I guess that was deliberate because they were trying to make that contrast. I guess there's that little sprinkling of coming of age in there, but... So they were trying to make a contrast between uh, the character's childish kind of persona and then being thrust into this kind of horror world. But it, yeah, it didn't didn't really sit properly with me, and the, it kind of had this cartoonish violence. The whole thing felt like it was trying too hard, and right. it didn't really work for me. Oh, bums! That's no good. So yeah, so the comedy and the horror, what they outweigh each other, or just one, they just don't mesh. It's very much. A comedy first and foremost, right? Um, but I thought that, given that that is what it's trying to go for, it wasn't mm-hmm. quite funny enough, and the horror bits weren't quite horrary enough. All right, right, got you. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm not really yeah, it totally describing it I very mean, well, but that's probably because of the fact that it didn't sit that well with me. Yeah, something like Happy Death Day to you, or oh, is it just called Happy Death Day? Yeah, the second one's called to you. Um, I think balances it perfectly. There's always a sense of jeopardy, but it never sort of indulges in the gory aspect, and it always remembers to be this sort of slack bang, fast paced, fun horror film. Um, but yeah, the BBC. I remember I did mm. watch the trailer and think it looks a bit smug, so I couldn't be, I couldn't be bothered with it. But um, I'm glad you took that for me. Now I don't have to bother watching it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I shan't bother with that one. Okay. What's your next B? Okay, my next B is. Uh, I'm cheating a bit here. Bly Manor, comma, The Haunting of. Uh. <laughs> the Haunting of Bly Manor, it's a Netflix series. They've all got a, a B yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Okay. okay. Blime, but most people just call it Blind Manor. Uh, Netflix series is a follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House, which actually I never watched. It's an anthology series, so it's going to have all the main cast and, and stuff. Well, you all know it in anthology. Uh, but it's a completely different story. This time it's set in England um, and concerns a haunty house and a couple of different sets of timelines and the hauntiness that goes on there. And it's got to be one of those boring things I've ever, ever sat through. It's like <laughs> nine, ten, eleven hours. Oh, really? I don't know, I can't remember how many episodes it is. 
dreadful. I would have given up after possibly episode two. Maybe I would have given the third one a shot. But my wife really wants to see how it is. And my problem, as always, with ghost stories, all ghost stories hinge on the one fact. Um, and it's, I don't think it's an original observation from me, but my thing is a ghost story is just a tragedy but in the wrong order. This is exactly that. So you can't be scared. It doesn't really go out of its way to scare you. Um, the characters are quite drab. A lot of the scenes are... It's set in England, but I think it was shot in Canada. It's got a lot of American actors doing incredibly poor accents. Uh, you've got him off, the little lad off of E.T. Mm. playing um, a posh bloke. And he sounds... He's pitched somewhere between Brian Saul and um, Jacob Rees-Mogg. It's the most laughable English accent I've heard in a long time. Um, <laughs> Who else? There's a woman who has to do... Yeah. She's narrating it, and it turns out she's another character in it, and she's got a northern accent, but she doesn't. She just does the standard English accent, and then occasionally will just flatten her vowel, say, no. <laughs> so I took tea with Professor Dingleweight, but I said, no, I don't want that. <laughs> and it's, it's appalling. It's not just the accents, though. I, I could overlook that, because I, I watched um, that film with Beanie Feldstein being Catelyn Moran, uh, I'm going off the subject here, but she did the accent quite badly. It was a Midlands accent, but it wasn't very good. But I wouldn't expect it to. But the charm of that film won me over, and I just forgot about it. But this, it just sticks out really badly, and it's so boring. It's just lots of characters sitting down, talking. They're not very particularly interesting characters. Um, I wouldn't say it's acted especially badly. It's just not... It's certainly not an interesting plot to fill is it nine hours I think I think it's nine episodes mm. um, or it could have been over and done in maybe two or three um, oh, really 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 tedious um, apparently Hill House itself the first series was much better everyone liked it I remember seeing the first episode of that and just thought again I just thought it's it's a ghost story it's a tragedy told in the wrong order so I didn't pursue that but maybe now I'll go back and give that one a bit more of a fair shot on the strength of this being awful which is an odd way around it's a bit cut before the horse, but yeah, do not watch Blind Manor. It's so boring. Yeah, ne- neither of them abysmal. particularly appealed to me. I think that I, I I, don't mind it if it's a film, because I know that the whole thing is going to be resolved within a sort of mm-hmm. hour and a half to two hours. And as soon as you start explaining things in any ghost story, I, my interest diminishes, which is why I always think the most powerful ones are where it is ambiguous or unexplained or there are several different um, reasons and no mm. one's not sure what it is. Shining, um, you know, someone asked me to explain it. They'd seen it for the first time the other day. They were like, well, you know what's shining. I, I was like, no, I'm going to clue. That's why it's so scary. It's various different things you can find scary in it. Uh, like uh, Ghost Watch, <laughs> the, the um, 90s series uh, yeah, with Sarah Green yeah. and Craig Charles. There were various different... Um, uh, what do you call it, theories in the show purported to be why this was happening and you didn't really know what you want, that was scary also of course Blair Witch, which is terrifying mm. uh, again, various different theories at the beginning uh, with the townsfolk I think all of that is really scary because there's a whole level of ambiguity and I still don't know why it ends like it does but Bly Manor, it's just well this is the reason this happened it's the same with, I think we watched something recently The English Haunting, it was dreadful uh. film. um Sinister, which I quite liked, but again, the last third is just ruined by the fact that you know what's going on. What a shame. And that's that. Now that's my second B. Let me just see, what else have I got that's a B? That's pretty much it. I mean, just to keep with the theme, I'll briefly talk about something that's kind of irrelevant, but I, um, I re-watched okay. uh, the film Battle Royale. 
Japanese. Japanese, yeah. Hot, uh, kind of, well, it's not really horror. You know, Hunger Games before the Hunger Games kind of thing, although even saying that annoys mm. some people, um, but it is very similar to that. Japanese, hyper-violent. It's supposed to be some sort of satire on, you know, how the education system feeds into the people's place in society and that they're encouraged to... Know, be nasty to each other and that kind of thing uh, but turns again turns the dial right up on it but in contrast to what i was talking about earlier um this film i mean this film is yonks old mm-hmm. now and everyone who's hearing me say this will have seen it but uh, i really like it um now that is no see this is actually quite a good contrast because this is a film which amplifies things to a ludicrous extent but manages to really work well it's it is it's horrifying that that what goes on in the film uh, and it's you know can be quite sort of upsetting in places uh, and it's just you know if if it wasn't sort of so far removed from reality then it it would be horrendous really um, an artistic expression of someone's uh, you know feelings about certain aspects of society it works really well and it's got loads of the kind of cool tropes of, of that sort of genre. People covered in sort of crimson masks and then, but like holding their stare and that kind of thing where like they tilt their head to one side, you know, like anime tropes and that sort of thing, but in a live action film. Uh, it works really well. I, I think it's a great film. I won't go on about it too long because everyone will have, will have seen it. But, I've yeah. never seen it, funnily enough. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I meant to watch it years ago. Um, it just looks like sort of Lord of the Flies with lots more blood. Um, but I, I, I like the fact that it looks good, but I just, I've just never got around to it. It's, um, it's on either Flix or Prime, one of the ones, isn't it? I'm not sure. It's which. not on Netflix, so it must be Prime. Because okay. I watched it on Divda. That is a non-B. I was probably going to talk about it, but I'm not sure I'm going to bother now. Uh, is the Peter Strickland film, um, Barbarians. Ah, oh, it's a B again! Barbarian Sound Studio! Boom! Have you uh, watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way! Wow. Yeah. I've been on at you for years yeah. to watch that. I know, and I finally got round to it. Um... It's, and you didn't I mean, like it briefly because you've mentioned it before. No, I did. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's almost more like a sort of art installation than a film, isn't it? I mean, it very much so. Yeah, I love that. It's the most violent sound effects I've ever seen in any film ever. Yeah. The, the aggression and the brutality of chopping up a was it a lettuce? I can't remember what it is. Now. I think so. Yeah, lettuce. Um, it works incredibly well. Yeah. I think it would probably be better just a touch shorter, but I think that about just about every film, so that's not necessarily criticism of the film. It's more a reflection on me. And it didn't quite go to where I wanted it to go, but that's, again, that's probably just me, and I can criticise the film for not doing what I wanted. Um, yeah, no, I really liked it. I would like to watch it again. Didn't love it, but I'd certainly it's a percolator. I've just thought about it endlessly. Um, yeah. Uh, and the fact that sort of the... Reality blends and dreams in, uh, into the dreams and into... Oh, no, I wouldn't want to say too much about what happens in it, but yeah, crazy. Yeah. I think it's a great um, referendum, if you like, on you know sexism in uh, Jalo. Um, yeah. Because that's all I could think about when I was watching Because I love Jalo films, but yeah, there's no hiding the fact that all of them are you know borderline misogynistic. And, yeah. And that really rankles with me um, because they're just these beautiful art pieces to watch and these gloriously sort of elegant puzzles but the fact that they do have this incredibly complicated like it's not that complicated it's just horrible um and i think barbarian sound she plays that so well yeah um yeah no, i really liked yeah. it but um i now want to watch in fabric um yeah i don't know what it is about it perhaps it was that it was just it it rankled me somewhat but uh i think in a good way
Yeah, it's good fun. I think you'll like. I think you'll like In Fabric because In Fabric is a bit more mm-hmm. fun. It's definitely a, a, there's a lot of humour in In Fabric of which there is virtually none uh, in Barbarian Sound Studio. Can you see why I really like Barbarian Sound Studio? Oh God, yeah, yeah. It might as well just start with the title because they made for Kit. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think? I, I mean, uh, the character of the director is supposed to be Dario Argento. Argento, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I love it um, for pretty much all the all the reasons that you, that you mentioned. Experimental territory that it sits in uh, is it's fantastic, and very glad you liked it because I've recommended it to a lot of people, and <laughs> almost all of them come back to me and say, "Yeah, I didn't like it." <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was one of those ones where actually it could have gone either way, but um, yeah. I ended up really liking it. So. I can see why they wouldn't. I can I can wholly sympathise with you. Yeah, no, no, me too. Toby Jones' character, you kind of instantly sympathise with him because he's yes, he's like his fish out of water, you know. I don't think I've got any more bees, but I've definitely got more films. Um, okay, well, I'll bring in all the bees. You bring more films. Monos. I'm going to pronounce it monos. It might be monos, but it's monos. Do you know anything about that? Mm, it rings about. I've seen it. Like, and I haven't seen the film. I mean, I've seen the word. <laughs> yeah. But I would say monos because it sounds like a Greek god or something. Do you know what? You you are probably right, actually. Because oh, really? the thing what is, is that I don't, I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it right because I don't really know what the film's about. Um, it's very odd. <laughs> so it's, it's quite recent. It's it's from last from 2019, directed right. by uh, Alejandro Landis. What is it about? That's the thing. I, uh, it's about it's a group of teenagers who are in this remote mountain location in what you eventually work out is, uh, I, I'd imagine, supposed to be South America. Um, and they are entrusted with a task of, of someone. There's like one adult who comes and gives them instructions and then goes away and like leaves them to it. And it's in this sort of like faux militaristic style like they've got weapons and stuff and they're supposed to be in charge of um looking after this cow and then but then you find out that they're also then in charge of hiding this prisoner who this woman who is like a prisoner of war or something it was very i found it very very difficult to follow um sorry a bunch of teens being charged with looking after a cow they they (laughs) are you watching yeah, it's it's really it's very odd. It's set. It's obviously set in some sort of war zone, um, right. and they're in this location. And then you find out that what they're actually in charge of is like looking after this this woman who's a, who's a prisoner of war, and they're they're supposed to be like transporting her to a different place, okay. uh, but you don't know why, or you're not given any context. It very much reminded me of um, Yorgos Lanthimos films where you're kind of mm-hmm. dropped into the middle of a narrative with 
zero context whatsoever and you've got to kind of work out what's going on like for example in in the lobster you don't know why they're in this situation where they have to pair up with people or they'll get turned into an animal and his other films are the same so it kind of reminded me of that i thought i watched it because the 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 trailer for it i thought very very deliberately um was evocative of apocalypse now there's like smoke grenades going off and it's set in this kind of jungle setting which owes a lot to uh, Aguirre, Wrath of God by Werner Herzog, that sort of setting. But I thought that other than the fact that the photography in it was stunning, unfortunately Mm. the rest of the film didn't really draw me in that much. Oh, mate. Mostly because I didn't really have a clue what was supposed to be going on. I didn't know what goal of it was. Sometimes I really like that sort of thing where I don't know what's going on. But with this, uh, I don't know, it, it had the sense that I felt like I should know what's going right. on to, to give it some sort of meaning. So I don't know whether it's completely fictionalised or whether it's sort of, you know, set in uh, a real conflict and kind of semi-fictionalised from that point of view. The visual aspect was was really well done, but narrative-wise uh, and in terms of plot and caring about the characters, I, I found it a little bit lacking. I mean, that sounds quite Lynchian from what you said there. But no, not at all. In a, in I a bad way. I didn't mean to give it that. It's it's pretty much the opposite of anything Lynch has done. (laughs) Um, I I don't think I'm going to be watching Monos or Monos or or Monos. No. Based on what you said. Yeah. Let me ask for that. (laughs) No, it's it's probably trying to make some sort of good point and maybe I just didn't understand it. It's certainly well made, but there's no point to that if it it doesn't grab you on, on any sort of emotional level. What I did watch, though, and it is another B, yeah. is Borat's subsequent movie film. Where is his crumb? What is problem, officer? That's somebody that's strapped to the top of your car. You need to sit in that passenger seat, boss. Only men and bears are allowed inside car. I'm here to give my daughter as a gift to someone close to the throne. I need dress with real sexy peels. Uh, this is a bag? That just goes over the dress. They're nice. Oh, cool. How was it? On Amazon Prime. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Just to before you talk about it, um, I mean, how do you feel about the the Sasha Baron Cohen films in general? Love Borat. Um, Never seen Ali G in the movie or whatever the fuck that was called. Um, I liked Bruno. Yeah. Never seen The Dictator. Is it called The Dictator? Yeah, The Dictator, yeah. Yeah, he's in Sweeney Todd. He's very good at that, but that's not his film as such. Yeah, and he's in that Hugo, isn't he? Um, okay. Yeah, I like him. I I think he is generally a force for good. I think I don't agree with everything he does and and all the points he makes, but generally he is on uh, you know the right side of the culture wars if there is such a thing, and certainly he has my sympathy politically. Um, yeah, especially because uh, he brings to like anti-Semitism a lot, um, which I think is. It's crucially important uh, this time because it is the racism that most people don't sort of acknowledge. I don't want to get too boring about it here, but yeah, I'm very much behind him on that. But yeah, no, I I like his work generally. How about you? Yeah, um, same. Um, I think it was. I I never really got into the Ali G character. It was hugely popular mm-hmm. when I was at school, um, yeah. but mostly because of that kind of catchphrase thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then I I think when I watched the the first thing of his that I watched that really uh, grabbed me was. It, I mean, it would have been that show, but it was one of the Borat sections. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, hang on a minute, there's a, there's a bit more substance to this than there, there is the other yeah. 
sort of thing. And and I yeah, I really like the Borat film. Uh, I I, lo- I really like Bruno. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people don't seem to get on with that one as much, but I find that kind of outrageous, deliberately offensive uh, comedy. But for a point, <laughs> for a purpose, you know, yeah. it's to the it's to highlight the moment. <laughs> oh my Me man, crying. that is just <laughs> awful. And <laughs> but pro- possibly it's brilliant. My, my favourite bit in that film is where he does the they do the the cage fighting bit, um, and they just draw draw the ire of you know oh jeez yeah how wow. many hundred rednecks uh, it's just so so funny, uh, but yeah so yeah tell so tell me about Borat's subsequent film. Okay, so set fourteen years later, he is in jail for crimes against Kazakhstan, and. Uh, they release him on the basis that he can get the ear of Donald Trump, um, because they notice that populism is you know um, rampant force in the states, and they think they could yeah. uh, make Kazakhstan's fortunes in the world much better if they have the, the ear of the president. So they send him out again to this time his daughter stows away along. Um, so he's going to give his daughter to you know either Mike Pence or Trump himself or someone like that, someone high up in the Trump ranks, so he can curry favour with the Kazakhstan government. Bit weird. Um, and it's a lot of setups, a lot of sketches, and a lot of um, you know, is this faked or is this you know acted sections? Some of it, it's a combination of the two, I think. And again, it's also a combination of gross out <laughs> um, like stunts and also quite poignant political sharp as knives um, uh, mm. moments. So some of the things you do end up questioning, it's like, well, how much are these people in on it? How much do they know? Um, so there is unfortunately that level now, that perception, uh, that sort of filter, you have to watch it through. Because in the original, no one really knew who Borat was and he could get away with everything. In this one, and they explicitly state it in there, people know who he is. And people actually point out on the streets, hey look, it's Borat. Mm. <laughs> and there's footage of him. So he has to kind of double dress yeah, up yeah, as yeah. Borat and someone else. Um, but, yeah, to cut a long story short, I think it's really, really good. It doesn't quite have the same punch as the original. Again, a bit like what I was saying with... What else have I talked about? I have no idea. Oh, Bill and Ted. Um, it has a very salient point to make, especially about you know the political landscape we're in now. Especially, And it's a bit sad that you know it's primarily a man driving this film, but it's about sort of women's rights and um, you know, the perception of gender in 2020, especially in the West, um, that you know, he makes this point and... It's it's female led. That his co-star in this, who plays his daughter, is terrific. She's really good. There are also some genuinely, really lovely people who've just been caught up in it, um, such as I can't remember. She's called Janice or something, who looks after the daughter, uh, and she is lovely and she was genuine. And she it turns out now that she thought she was in a documentary about my daughters, um, and everything that comes from her is heartfelt and wonderful and gorgeous. But also, it's very funny at the same time. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cracking. Like I said, not quite the punch of the original, but definitely worth a watch. If you've any interest whatsoever in the original. And Rudy Giuliani, of course, comes out looking like the sleaze bag he is. Um, not Actually, funnily enough, though, he embarrassed himself even more yesterday for realsies on... <laughs> Live television in front of a um, a low rent business in the edge of Philadelphia, <laughs> talking about fake. Oh yeah, election results. <laughs> <laughs> you see, they thought they'd rented the Four, yeah. four Seasons oh, Hotel. No, they'd rented Four Seasons Landscaping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. 
It's like a garden yeah. centre or Next something like that. Next to a crematorium like yeah. and a dildo shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a mixture of the outrageous and the poignant. That's pretty much all we need to know. Um, yeah, that's that. You got another one? I watched a film called War Machine. Ooh. Okay. It, it's not a B, but it does star Brad Pitt. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, so it kind of fits with the theme. We are here to build, to protect, to support the civilian population. To that end, we must avoid killing it at all costs. We can't help them and kill them at the same time. It just ain't humanly possible. Now, crack on. What is War Machine? So, War Machine is a film which um, has all the right ingredients. Uh, it was directed by uh, David Michaud, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, um, who directed an excellent film called Animal Kingdom, okay. um, In if I think that's from something like 2010. Much like Johnny Depp, I tend to like Brad Pitt in most stuff, uh, and, and he's sort of front and centre in this one. This is about uh, America's involvement in Afghanistan in the 2000s. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't really like this film at all very much. Oh, bums. Uh, It's kind of the same thing. Again, in all the scenes Brad Pitt is in, he is excellent in them, but it didn't really work. And I was was quite disappointed by it because Animal Kingdom is an excellent film, Mm. Um, a completely different subject matter that's about... um, like inner city crime in uh, Australia, but it, it's kind of really, really gritty, hard hitting film. And this one was obviously very heavy subject matter America's um, like military policy in Afghanistan. Brad Pitt's playing uh, General, uh, what's his name, Glenn McMahon. It's definitely trying to be a comedy, but the subject matter is too serious for for that to be the case, and again, it doesn't really quite fit. It feels like uh, for for a director who had such a strong uh, style in in the uh, the other film that I mentioned, mm. this film feels like so like someone else who's trying to direct in the style of. Okay. So it it feels like maybe someone's trying to be like the Cohen Brothers or something like that. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over, but unfortunately, I seem to. I watched a load of films that I was like, oh, didn't didn't particularly like that, didn't particularly like that, didn't particularly like that. Stop watching crap films, mate. What's up with you? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not good. Well, I've just looked it up. It's got 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. The music is done by Nick oh, Cave what? and Warren Ellis. Um, it's directed by a, a director who's proved to be excellent, and it stars a, a load of people who are very good. So, so all the gre- ingredients have been thrown in the pot, but it was overcooked. Okay. Burnt. Well, that's good. I yeah. like that. That's a good analogy. I mean, I don't like the fact that it is because although you've just saved me two hours or whatever, so I don't have to watch that. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Go back to the bees then. I got. Oh, should I just do those both quickly? Yeah. Okay. Boys and Brollies. Okay. Boys is the boys. The Amazon series okay. thing about the superpowered dudes. I've only actually seen the first two of the new series. Um, something about it just. I would carry on with them. My wife's less thrilled with it. It's quite obnoxious and not necessarily in a great way. I, I do like it. You really enjoyed the first series, didn't you? I loved the first series, yeah. I think what's wrong with the second series so far is a little bit aimless because the first series was driven by a one very specific goal for the main character. second one, at the moment, and I'm only two episodes in, they don't really seem to have much of 
uh, they just want to sort of expose something. It's just not... Stakes aren't as high and it's just not as solid. I don't know. I will enjoy it. I will watch it and it'll be fun and gory and sort of, yeah, loud and abrasive. But what much preferred, uh, as if we're going to season twos, Brollies. Okay, that is a B, but it's actually the Umbrella Academy. Shush. It's Brollies. Uh, Umbrella Academy Series 2, which is just as charming and delightful and inventive and fun as the first series, if not more so. Um, it's a series that, yeah, it really likes its characters. And I don't mean that in a sort of whimsical way. It just seems to... It knows its characters very well. Even the sort of more drab ones are still entertaining to watch. Um, and it puts them in interesting situations. And you, well, I care about you know all of their plights. And they are fascinating. It's like when you have two different time versions of the same character. You don't really know which one you want to root for. You do, because the one we've been with the whole time is obviously the one who you're going to follow. I don't know how to describe it, really. It's just a bit lovely and charming and fun. And yeah, it never stops being sort of buoyant, even when it's darker moments. It's always got a sense of cheekiness about it. It's just got to bounce. It crackles, it fizzes, it pops. Yeah, Umbrella Academy Series 2, okay. really, really like it. It's, it's just built on the strength of the first. Boys, less so, but we'll see as we go on. Another kind of Netflix um, produced okay. film. Tau. What? T A U. Tau. You just hurt yourself. What is that? The central character is a young woman played by uh, Micah Monroe, you know, from uh, It Follows. Yes. And, uh, she is kidnapped and sort of wakes up in, in this house, which has got all these kind of uh, animatronic contraptions and mm-hmm. the. The antagonist is the kind of scientist guy played by Ed Screen, who is the antagonist him. in Deadpool, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and various other things. But yeah, he's like a scientist who thinks he's um, working for for good, but actually what he's doing is just like experimenting on people. Okay. And and it, it the crux of it it folks around he's he's invented this sort of artificial intelligence system called Tau, mm-hmm. who. Um, is like in charge of the house when he's not there and can mm. control various aspects of it. Okay. The girl is trying to escape, and to escape she has to kind of overcome this artificial intelligence which has been programmed by him and kind of win that over. Um, oh. I think it's a really good premise for a film. Parts of it work well, mm. but I it, it didn't sit entirely well with me. Uh, just because... I don't know, it felt like the ideas that the the writer wanted to get across weren't fully realised. It felt like maybe uh, the producers got hold of it and said, right, you've, you've got to finish this in an unreasonably short amount of time. Or It felt a bit rushed. It felt like there wasn't enough meat to it. it I thought the core of it was, was solid, but maybe it didn't get realised quite how, possibly how it was originally intended. Okay. It's, I'd say it's worth a look, mm-hmm. but maybe possibly don't get your hopes up too much about it. But yeah, it's it's okay. Okay, I mean, it's, and it's okay for films to be okay. It is. Yeah, I really like that premise. That sounds great fun. Yeah, yeah. Give it a try. See what you think. I will. There you go. See, you've got me to watch one thing this week so far. Good, That's quite good. good stuff. This yeah. week, like we do this weekly. We do this every four months. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, briefly then, I'll just mention yeah. my last B. 
which is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's leaving. Our plan worked. We saved our own honeymoon and fun bonus. We cheered up Holt. Yes. Okay, it's time to celebrate. You know what that means. This bee needs a C in her A. Oh my god. This babe needs a coconut in her arms. Oh, I thought you were saying this needs a c in her Oh my god. Yeah, that was my reaction. All right, I'll go get us a couple of coconuts. Ah, okay, okay. I've watched all six series on Netflix, and then I bought the seventh series on Amazon Prime. Because <laughs> I wow, just wanted to kill I've seen a lot. Yeah, it's it's really easy going, but that doesn't make oh, do you know what? That doesn't mean it's simple or um or bad or lazily written. In fact quite the opposite. It's clearly been expertly written to within an inch of its life. Um you can I know the formula now because I've watched it all from very close succession, you know how it's gonna go. There's three main stories in each one. It's only twenty two minutes long. The characters are incredibly well rendered, they're funny. Um, they're fun to watch, uh, the situations are good. The comedy is very funny and swift, but not in that sort of, uh, not in that scrubs fast paced way or community. I know a lot of people like community, but I couldn't bear it. it to me, it was just like scrubs for hipsters. Um, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine has a very bold sense of its own humor, which is funny. And it's also progressive and liberal, but without being again, woke. It's not like that at all. It's just very respectable to its characters and very true to its characters and they're not the stereotypes you imagine them to be and it's just terrific it really is and it works and it's got sort of ongoing plot threads but you don't need to sort of know them unless you're going to cane it all in sort of one month like I did I, I really really enjoyed Brooklyn Nine-Nine I'm not you know, ashamed to say because most American comedies just sort of pass me by really they're just a bit cheesy and shitty but this is fun and funny and it's got great movie um jokes in it and I don't know I, I just really liked it I really took to, something about it just completely connected with me and I watched all fucking seven seasons in a very short space of time I've, I've started to watch a bit of it it's not to say I, I didn't enjoy it but it's, it's one of those things that it's like I'd already kind of got into those a, a lot of the kind of 20 minute uh, comedy things mm -hmm. like Bojack Horseman and right, yeah. Rick and Morty and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I started to watch it, and I was like, I can't really take another one on <laughs> until I. Yeah. So like, but like having, um, I watched it uh, almost at the insistence of uh, Ben Pierce at the face of Ben. Hey, uh, because he he uh, adores it, and mm -hmm. he he sort of said, "You have to." You, I'm insisting that you give this a try. So, uh, and I'm glad he yeah. did because I did. I'd like to say. Did like it. I just haven't haven't given it the chance really that I think it it needs. No, we uh, did it a yeah. few months back where we watched the first five minutes of the first episode, and I, did, I really didn't take to it. I thought it was a bit smug, um, and I got over myself. I think it wasn't. That I had to go over the episodes. I got over myself thinking that. Um, but Bojack Horseman, yeah, and I watched the first episode. I really liked it. Again, I had the same sort of thing where I was like, I'm watching too much. But I will get yeah. into that. Some people said some of the later series are like borderline genius. I mean, whether or not that's just hyperbole, I don't know, but. There's one where it's just a monologue, apparently. There's lots of ones where it gets a bit, you know, uses the, those sort of theatre techniques and that kind of thing. Really like Bojack Horseman for yeah. so many reasons. It works as a comedy, but it's also really serious. It's got, like, tragic elements to it as well. Some of the episodes, like, aren't funny at all. They're just, they're just got a real emotional punch that will kind of pull at your heartstrings kind of thing oh, yeah, look at, yeah I'm, um, I'm gonna get into that then i think i'm yeah i'm gonna give that one a that, crack it's excellent there's there's one episode in particular i won't it's i can't remember one that was a monologue um but i do remember one that was almost entirely wordless and yet still manages to convey a narrative really cool. really well 
uh, yeah, it's it's excellent. Okay, cool. That's pretty much me done. Uh, but oh, I did watch uh, The Perfection, which is a Netflix horror stroke puzzler thriller. It twists and turns every single. I'm not even going to say what it's about at all. Yeah, the, the, it's there on Netflix, and the advert probably tells you a little bit too much. They have a little clip, don't they, of the film, and it probably tells you a little bit too much, but. It's not what you expect. It's just Grand Guignol. It's nonsense, and it's brilliant. And it stars Alison Williams, who was the girlfriend in Get Out, um, and she's great. So okay. I really like the perfection. It's just it's gloriously silly, although it does use very serious sort of trope to get to where it needs to. But, uh, I, yeah. I can forgive it that because it's such fun. Anyway, that's okay. I'm done. I mean, I've watched a lot of right, shit too, it. but you know. No, no, no that's night. fine. That's fine. I'll end on um, my tits. <laughs> something that uh, I didn't really expect to find myself watching. But again, it, it's one of those things that popped up on Netflix, and I was like, "Ah, oh. I remember watching that as a child." Uh, I, I rewatched the 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 Mask, you know, the Jim Carrey, Jim film. Carrey, Cameron Diaz. All oh, right, okay, yeah. yeah. Somebody stop me! And uh, but it was it was really interesting. Something that yeah, 90, 1994. So. You know, I was like, what, nine years old at the time. So I, as a child, I enjoyed all the kind of, you know, the cartoonish elements of it and that. Yeah. What didn't, what didn't, I didn't notice at all at that age mm-hmm. was <laughs> quite, what a lascivious eye the camera has in that film. Oh, like, right, it really. literally starts with a shot of, like, a lingering slow crawl up Cameron Diaz's legs, which then, like, lingers you know, on her as as it goes up her body, and he's like like his tongue's like lolling out of his right, like yeah. mouth and that kind of thing. And there's loads of bits in it like that before the ten minute mark. Like mm-hmm. he's got the mask on, he's doing right. funny stuff, and he's saying like you know smoking and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's great to hear you say that. All those catchphrases. When I was a little kid, I thought, oh, this is hilarious. Yeah, watching it now, like it doesn't hold up at all. Oh, no, <laughs> but um, but it was it's funny to revisit the things that you know at a certain age you wouldn't have noticed any of the no. certain elements of it. Yeah, very very odd film. Um, okay. Don't think it would have worked at all if it hadn't. So this is the third time I'm saying this this podcast, but anyone other than Jim Carrey, and I think that would have been a complete flop. <laughs> Okay, well that's everything recently seen. We've got any more to go on this whole podcast? I I think that's pretty much all I'm going to talk about uh, on this one. Other than I did just want to get in the fact that I rewatched Christopher Eccleston's series of Doctor Who. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the first time I watched it since it came out, and very much the casual Doctor Who fan. I don't know, you're hugely into it. Shh, like. Don't tell anyone listening. They might want to have sex with me. Another thing that that stood out really to me this time, which I I didn't pick up on at all the, 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 when I watched it in two thousand and five, it makes that that case that the Doctor is not actually a clear cut good guy in it. Mm-hmm. You know, his actions have consequences, and that's and it that kind of comes to a head at that um the space station that is then replaced by you know they go back to it and then the Daleks have taken yeah, over. Yeah, satellite five. Yeah, and that's it's as a result of his actions, and people are being, you know, like tortured and killed because of that. Funny you should say his actions, really, because I mean, a lot of what the moaning old fans had against that first series was that the Doctor had very little agency, and he didn't do a lot. He it was basically the companion, basically she did all the work and had all the things to do, and he just sort of I don't know motivated her to get those things done. So in the first one, of course, she saves him essentially in the. Second one, he does go through those fans, doesn't he? Third one, yeah. I don't know. A lot of people basically thought it was might have been called uh, Rose Tyler, Space Adventurer. 
But I think that's just moaning fans who... I don't know why fans moan. Yeah. Cunts. That's all you need. Nice. Right, well, that's the main... That's all recently seen. Have we got a quiz or not? Um, I, not really. Have you got one? No. <laughs> okay, right. Alright, so hang on, I've got this, I've got a backup for in case this happened. Wait, let me see, it's on my desktop. Rate the following wrestlers out of 10 and give a justification for your score. Okay, I like it, go on then. 1. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, uh, 10. Because he makes you believe in everything he's doing and he's also superb and technically um, perfect in the ring. Okay, no, that's good, that'll good, yeah. okay. The Great Carly. Great Carly, 2. Because although... Yeah. Yeah, although he looks like a spectacle, he is, of course, terrible. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, macho Man Randy Savage. Tricky. I'm going to go for a controversial six, because he can have some of the best matches out there, but often they're so uh, meticulously laid out, I have trouble believing them. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting one. And I don't like... I know he's a, he's a fascinating character, but I don't really like him on the mic. It really hurts. Yeah, uh, I always feel like his mic work is like... It's funny because he's such a much better wrestler than Hogan, but his mm -hmm. mic work feels like he's just trying to imitate that style. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, which is kind of weird. Uh, Roman Reigns. Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? Wow, well, like, he's oscillated so much uh, over the last few years. Yeah. Present, he's easily a nine because he's a badass. Oh wow, crikey! Yeah. Yeah, he's well he maybe an top, eight, but he's top of the yeah, card he's top at the, the card. moment. He's an absolute badass. Um, and I completely believe in the fact that we're being asked for him. <laughs> it's a weird, weird state that we when those when those piped in boos yeah. came in. It's just so yeah. bizarre. Um, and we're, yeah, and yeah, I think he looks like a million bucks. He really does have the aura of a star now. I just think he could do with a few more moves. Yeah, I'm sure that they're probably holding him back from that because they like the the top flight ones to not be into all that technical stuff, don't they? Yeah, it's just that I can almost like predict what he's going to do. It's like that's going to be a drive by. Yeah. That's going to be the fist, you know. And he does Although it's quite up. interesting now, um, um, you know, working yeah, as the top heel, and they've given him like a, a submission move to slow the matches down. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, we're straying into territory. Uh, I just kind of made that up, uh, <laughs> pulled it out of the bag. Uh, so okay. sorry, that was a bit shit. There we go. <laughs> nice. Um, okay. Is there anything else we want to talk about? How we should do this more regularly and with more preparation, probably. Yeah, but we talk about that every time we never do, never so. Do it, never do it. Uh, it's tricky. Tricky, it? yeah. yeah. We've got jobs, man. Next one's the 50th. It's an anniversary. Should we do a good one for the 50th? I better wind it up there. So thank you ever so much for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at NotSpecialPod, is it? Yeah, at NotSpecialPod. Um, uh, yeah. I, I never check it these days, so good luck with that. Cool. Um, find us on Facebook, which I don't check because I haven't got Facebook anymore. So. <laughs> We've got no social media <laughs> presence anymore, so good luck even finding this podcast. I don't know how anyone's actually yeah. going to listen. Oh, crikey. If you're listening to this, well done. Well done. done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is just a purely oh, self-congratulatory right. exercise. Even more so than usual. <laughs> okay, well thanks for listening and we love you very much and we'll see you, I'd like to say soon, but... Well, let's try and keep to that promise. Okay, Mwah. see you in the 50th. Bye! Bye.
Somebody stop, 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 stop!